The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. And I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. So today we have something of a treat for you, Virginia. I'm, I'm so excited. It's a surprise. It's an actual surprise. Actual surprise. And it's about a topic like we say every week we know nothing about, and that is special education. Yay. Now, listeners, to, to peel back the curtain a little bit, um, Ren interviewed the fabulous Carrie Chilton, one of our staff attorneys, on special education and school reopenings. Um, I was not able to be there for that recording, so I get to listen to it uh, for the first time with the rest of you. Yeah, and we'll jump right into that interview uh, after we check out Disability in the News. Hello, my name is Hannah Sexer, and I'm an advocate at DLCV. Federal officials are sending millions of dollars in rental assistance to help people with disabilities in several states. The Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, is distributing $74 million to state housing finance agencies to support over 2,000 housing units for the next five years. The rental assistance is marked for people with disabilities and is being provided through the agency's Section 811 Supported Housing for Persons with Disabilities Program. Ben Harson, the Secretary of the HUD, said, We are committed to ensuring people with disabilities have access to safe, sanitary, accessible, and affordable rental homes with the supported services they need to live independently. The housing agencies that have been awarded grants are working with Medicaid and other agencies to identify people with disabilities who need long-term services in order to live independently in the community. The states that will currently receive these awards are Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Missouri, New Jersey, North Carolina, and Texas. We know that this will dramatically help people with disabilities live independently in the community. All right, now we're going to get into the meat of things. Thanks again, Carrie, for joining us on a very important episode of the podcast. Of course. Happy to be here. 
So we're talking about something I'm sure is on a lot of parents' minds, which is schools reopening in the midst of the pandemic. What kind of options are currently being discussed about how schools are going to reopen? So a couple of months ago, the Virginia Department of Education, VDOE, released really comprehensive guidance on return to school in anticipation of this new school year. Um, and they really left it up to school divisions to try to determine based on the health data and the needs of their local community, what the plan is gonna be for returning to school. And we're at the point now where schools are slowly starting to release their plans. Um, so we're seeing a lot of different variety depending on the locale and the rate of COVID cases and the needs in that community. Um, we've got a couple of school divisions, Henrico and Richmond, have announced that they're planning to be fully virtual for the first nine weeks. Um, we have other divisions like Virginia Beach City that are going to be basing when they start on health data. So they have certain metrics, and once those numbers have kind of been met for 14 days in a row, they're going to start bringing in in-person instruction. And another thing with Virginia Beach is that parents are able to choose whether they want to be part of that in-person instruction for their children when it starts getting phased in or whether they'd rather their child be part of a fully virtual remote learning plan. So we're seeing a lot of different things here. Um, some divisions are really having one plan and parents aren't having an option at this time. And then other school divisions are trying to see how many parents would be interested in having some level of in-person instruction and how many are interested in just having their child learn remotely. So with so many different options and, and, and the different counties kind of taking on different plans, I, I imagine that can be very confusing for a lot of folks. How do parents find out about what their school's reopening plans are? So parents can look in a couple of different areas. The first place where a school division is going to decide what that plan is, is through a school board meeting where they will discuss it and vote to approve the plan. So if parents really want to be keeping an eye on this from the get-go, they should be looking on the school division's website to see what the agenda is for upcoming school board meetings, and they can attend those school board meetings and listen in remotely. Um, in addition to that, many school divisions are sending out communications about these plans via email and mail to parents. And all the plans that I've seen so far have been pretty immediately posted as well on the school division's website. So those are all areas where parents can gather information and see a copy of the return to school plan. Um, now many parents, as advocates as well, they read these plans and they may have additional questions or maybe don't understand exactly how this go is gonna work in practice. So mm -hmm. what, a, what a lot of school divisions are doing is they are um, hosting virtual information sessions for parents to be able to ask questions or learn a little bit more about practically how this plan is gonna work. So I would definitely suggest that parents look on the school division website to see if any of those information sessions are gonna be available for their division. 
Yeah, that's, you know, again, I, I, I think everyone right now is really just trying to find the information and knowing where it is is half the battle. But being the Disability Law Center, obviously one of our, our interests is special education and ensuring that students with disabilities, you know, are, are covered in these educational plans. How is special education fitting into this discussion right now? Well, it's really important for families who have a special education student to remember is that the I in IDEA stands for individualized. So, you know, since the IDEA was created, there's been a focus on we need to meet as an IEP team and determine what support services accommodations are required for this specific student, um, not what a student may get based on simply a disability or what all students with disabilities get. It has to be individualized to that student. Um, and the federal government, as well as the Virginia Department of Education, has continually said throughout this entire pandemic that the tenants of IDEA are still there, IDEA is still in force, and that's gonna apply to return to school plans too. Um, so if parents are concerned that a certain return to school policy may make it so that their student, because of their disability, isn't able to access the curriculum. Parents really should be proactive and request an IEP meeting to discuss that specific concern and really determine, well, does that policy need to be adjusted for that student? Or maybe that student needs additional supports or accommodations in their IEP because of that policy? And really work with the IEP team to discuss how things need to be individually tailored to that student so that they can access the curriculum. I think you bring up a really good point because I know that we have heard concerns um, regarding IEPs and whether the IEP that their, you know, folks students had prior to the pandemic, how that was going to be changed or affected based on the pandemic itself and of course the reopening. Um, and whether, like you said, like meeting with the IEP team and how and how that works is something I know a lot of parents are struggling with right now. Right. So in addition to those cases where a parent may read the reentry plan and say, oh, I have a concern about this particular policy, IEP teams really need to be meeting with families in advance of the beginning of the school year or as close to the beginning of the school year as possible to review those IEPs. Um, that in light of maybe all virtual learning or a hybrid model, what needs to be changed? Do we need to change goals? Do we need to change services, supports, accommodations? Um, they may need different supports. They may need additional supports. There may be certain supports that just don't make sense or are not needed in a virtual platform. Um, so IEP teams are really going to need to be, again, discussing with the family, determining what is needed for that individual student to access the curriculum. Um, a really good example of a topic for discussion for probably many students with disabilities is those students who may have increased dis difficulty or behaviors in that virtual remote learning environment. And for example, in the IEP, there is related services that can include parent or teacher training. So IEP teams can discuss whether either a parent or a teacher who is now teaching remotely may need some training by maybe a behavior intervention specialist as to how to engage those students, tips and strategies 
for getting those students who may have more difficulty engaging in that virtual platform to participate. So that's something that really should be looked at for students with that need. And again, the IEP team should be discussing that with the parent. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as important as these discussions are regarding IEP, I know that some parents you know, are really focused on the fact that some kids have already missed so much of their education, that you know, really critical parts of their education due to this pandemic. Is there a plan on how to make up these, you know, these lapses in the education that have occurred and, you know, kids making up what they've lost? So that's a question that really a lot of families, schools, and advocates are all struggling with. And we're dealing with a school closure from last spring and a start of a school year that's really unprecedented. We do we weren't expecting what happened in the spring and we don't know exactly what to expect moving forward. So that's something that everyone kind of in the community is bringing their heads together to try to determine what's needed. And again, that's gonna depend on that individual student. Um, so compensatory education, making up services for gaps in education is a really positive concept, but for some kids, tacking on time at the end of the school day may just not work for them. They may be overwhelmed. So again, it's gonna be really based on the individual kid. Um, it's something that I think we'll have more information on as we move forward. The Virginia Department of Education does intend to release a guidance document specifically on compensatory education or trying to make up for that gap in services that students with disabilities suffered in the spring. Um, that has not been released yet, but it is anticipated that will be released soon. And I would anticipate that that document will be put onto their website when that is released. So, you know, again, it sounds like we're all doing our best, try to get as much information as possible and from the school boards and from districts and things like that. And, you know, this is really an unprecedented time for all of us. Where can parents really find resources to support them in this transitional time? So I would say to look at three different resources. If you're looking for division-wide policies or updates, you're gonna be looking on that school website for those updates. If you're looking for specific updates or questions related to your student and special education services, you're gonna be wanting to work with your student's special education case manager or that IEP team if you need to bring an IEP team together to discuss something or ask questions. Um, outside of that, the Parent Educational Advocacy Training Center, also known as PETSI, they are an organization that is really devoted to training parents, giving parents information, and throughout this entire pandemic, they've been continually releasing fact sheets, documents, worksheets that parents can fill out related to a lot of different areas of concern that have come up for parents related to special education and coronavirus. So in the last week or so, the Parent Educational Advocacy Training Center has released a back to school guide. And this is a really great document for parents to have an idea of maybe what questions to ask or things to think about as their child's returning to school. And it's in a worksheet format so that parents can write in answers to those questions or those thoughts as they go through it. And that's a really easy document to be able to then put in with the rest of the documents you're keeping regarding your child's education. And that's a really helpful guide 
Um, so that is another resource I would suggest parents go take a look at online. Their website is peatc.org, peatc.org, and they have a lot of really helpful resources. Well, thank you again, Carrie, for joining us on this episode. I know, again, this is a, a really weird time and being able to try to answer these questions and provide information on what's going on is really helpful to so many people. So thanks again for being here. Of course, again, happy to have had this chat with you and I really wish parents the best in navigating this very new landscape. And now a DLCV highlight. Two DLCV staff members recently negotiated corrective action against an inaccessible telling lot. The corrective action plan included the addition of signage and a method of alerting staff that someone with a disability can use an on-site and needing assistance. Prior to this, the telling lot did not have any way to alert staff when customers with disabilities arrived and needed assistance. Great job, DLCD staff, Sophia and Zach. So Virginia, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did during it. Yes, you and Carrie are always just brilliant beings of wisdom and delightful banter. So thank you so much. Um, thank you to Carrie for agreeing to be on with us. And hopefully that has helped a lot of students and parents and um, folks out there figure out at least a little bit of what's going on in, the, in these highly uncertain times. Yes, we definitely, again, a shout out to Carrie for giving us information. And like you said, it's a very confusing time. And so we're just glad that we're able to provide as much information we can to our listeners. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Virginia Ferris. And I'm Ren Fazuski. And this has been Rights Here, Rights Now.